When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hello and welcome to another Arseblog Arsecast on Arseblog.oleole.com. It's a busy show. The things we have for you. Oh, the things we have for you today. They're, they're things. And we have them. Tell you all about them in a second. Good morning to you all, or, or good afternoon, or good evening. Indeed, depending on whenever it is you might be listening to this particular Arsecast, welcome to another show. It is the first one of 2009. It seems like ages since you've had an Arsecast, doesn't it? Well, so much has happened in the last while. And when was the last one? It was oh, back on the 19th of December. So yeah, we've gone a good while with that one. Plenty has happened between then and now, and we'll try and cover that uh, in as much detail as possible. Coming up on this show... We've got a blog chat with Gilberto Silver from Gunnerblog and Good Player from GoodPlayer.com. The man in the bar will have a player history. Uh, Amari Bishop, PI, is in there. We will give you the winner of the Savile Rogue Scarf, uh, the competition uh, that took place on the final Arsecast of 2008. Uh, so all of you have entered. I know you've been biting your nails and anxiously waiting uh, for the result, I'll give you that a little bit later on in the show as well. So there you go. Uh, so I hope your Christmas and all that. Uh, we've done all this on the blog, haven't we? Your Christmas, New Year. We've done all that. You don't need me to say it out loud, do you? No, I didn't think so. We might as well just take a moment to look back on what's happened since the last Arscast. Uh, the games. Uh, well, Liverpool, that was an annoying game, wasn't it? Yeah, I had to watch in a pub full of uh, Liverpool fans. Not one of them was the Mug Smasher either. Uh, and as a game, it was frustrating. You know, we went ahead and then we let them score with a, a ridiculous goal, ball over the top, the old reliable, something the manager has been complaining about for a long time, yet appears to have done nothing much to uh, remedy. And, and then, of course, it all got worse. We got Sesk injured and out for months, uh, which is a disaster, I think. Um, Adi Bayor, he got sent off for what I didn't think was a red card. And he missed the next game against Aston Villa, which was also a very, very annoying game as well. 2-0 up, you score a brilliant goal like the one uh, Diaby scored, the interplay between Diaby and Abue. It was like once-in-a-lifetime kind of stuff. Brilliant. You're 2-0 up and you're doing well. And then you give away a really, really stupid penalty. Uh, I thought Gallus's tackle was ridiculous. Uh, undid the great work he did in the first half because he made a really, really good block at one stage uh, to keep Villa out. But it was a terrible tackle. You don't come in from that side. It was just lazy. Just like someone didn't really give a shit. You know, he's going to go for it. And they score the penalty. And then, of course, he just knew it was coming because this Arsenal team cannot defend. Can't defend a lead. Can't defend in general. And that, that goal, the equalizing goals that night, when you're in injury time and you find four Villa players in our box and only three defenders, then you've got to ask really, really serious questions. Okay, you can say uh, the midfield wasn't doing its job, and you're right. 
I agree with that. What I would say to that is, though, you've got Colo Torre, William Gallas, Mikel Silvestre at the back, right? Three really, really experienced players. Gallas is an ex-captain. Colo is an ex-vice-captain. Silvestre has played uh, for Manchester United for years. He's won titles a whole lot. They have got to communicate to the midfield, uh, to the rest of the team, that they need players back, that they need them to be in position, that there's men free in the box. You know, that there wasn't that communication, uh, to me, was a really, really bad sign. We know now, of course, that there's a problem between Colo and William Gallas, so maybe it was a case that Colo isn't saying anything, so Gallas gets the blame, and Gallas isn't saying anything, so Colo gets the blame. But whatever it was, until we sort that out, when you've got three guys that experience at the back who can't communicate with guys in front of them, who are... Uh, of course, they have responsibilities, but they're younger, inexperienced players, and sometimes they just need to be told what to do. When you're young and inexperienced, if someone says, go over there and do that, you go and do it. That's what, you know, being a young footballer is about. You've got someone like Tony Adams in your ear saying, go there, go there, stand there, tackle this guy, do that. And that's how you learn the game. And that obviously didn't happen. And it was a shocking indictment of the way this team cannot defend and possibly the lack of defensive organization and defensive coaching. So that was really, really frustrating, that game, because we should have won it at 2-0 up with, what, 18 minutes ago? We should have won. So then we get uh, Portsmouth. Tony Adams returned to the Arsenal. Uh, it wasn't a happy day for him. William Gallas scored the winning goal. Uh, and then we Plymouth, uh, which uh, I suppose was comfortable enough. But again, we were 2-0 up, and we let them back into the game. And we have this kind of, uh, not a self-destruct button, but we do make life really difficult for ourselves in terms of our defense. Uh, and until such time as the defensive issues are addressed, uh, we're never going to be able to play the kind of attacking football we want Arsenal to play because it's, it's entirely built on uh, a solid base. My theory about the Invincibles was that, that we were able to attack with so much verve and flair and exuberance because we knew that the defense was solid. Even when the fullbacks pushed on and they did like to push on and attack, we knew that we had a, a, a solid defensive spine. And that allows you not only to defend well, which is obviously a very basic thing, but, you know, to attack better and more often and with more confidence. And, and I suppose we're suffering a little bit uh, the other way now. Defensively, we're all over the place. We know we could concede at any moment. And the same, uh, our attacking play isn't necessarily as incisive as it might be. But anyway, those are just uh, crackpot theories that I have. So those were the games between the last Arscast and this Arscast. Of course, there's loads of other stuff going on. Uh, at the moment, transfer rumors, uh, transfer requests from senior players and all that kind of stuff. Uh, so to get a little more on all that, uh, I'm welcoming to the show in a kind of a an arse threesome sort of a style. <clears throat> uh, good player. Hello. Hello. And also Gilberto Silver from Gunnerblog. Hello. Hello, man. Uh, I'll start with you, Mr. Gunnerblog, if I may. Andre Arshavin is somebody that we've been linked with in the past. Uh, we're being linked with him heavily again. There's all kinds of stories and rumors and all sorts going on. Is it a typical Arsene Wenger thing to try and address our um, problems in defense and central midfield by signing an attacking player? Uh, I think of late, it, it kind of is. I mean, because the it's, it's almost becoming a typical Arsene thing to seemingly buy where everybody thinks he's okay. You know, I mean, uh, we... We had a problem in the last couple of summers where we, everyone said we needed a direct winger uh, and one never arrived. And last summer, everybody said we needed a replacement for Flamini. Uh, one never arrived. And that's still what people are saying. Of course, you know, the, the age-old debate about centre-halves. 
and we're being linked, uh, quite credulous links it seems, with a, uh, an attacking midfielder or, or forward even. Uh, so it's a bit of a surprise, um, but it would doubtless strengthen the squad. Good play. He would be an exciting signing, wouldn't he? And I think uh, everybody would welcome him to Arsenal. But I suppose it would have to be part of a, a bigger package, if you will, that uh, his signing without the signings in defence or midfield that we that we need would, would be a bit, not pointless, but, but very strange. I think you're right. They would be strange. At the same time, I can see his thinking in a way in that sometimes... We are struggling to break teams down at the moment, and and if we can if we can break them down, a player like Oshavin should should help really. That that puts a little bit less pressure on the defence, I suppose, to an extent. Um, but it is very very Arsene Wenger. I mean, if you, I, I think I'm right in saying in the 2001 season he went into it with Bergkamp, Henri, Carnu, Wiltord, and Jeffers all as strikers, and I think in midfield he had Patrick Vieira, uh, Ray Parler, and and then it was Gilles Grimondi. Um, and, and that, that kind of sums him up. It's, it's just this uh, almost obsession with attacking players um, ahead, of, ahead of any kind of investment or money spent on, on defensive players, really. Possibly, possibly not, not a smokescreen, because I don't think we'd be doing that, but does the fact that everybody's focused on Arshavin perhaps make it a little easier for him to source and, and look at other targets, do you think? I think, I think that's possibly true. I, I think whether or not we get Arshavin will have little... Uh, little effect on whether we sign uh, either one or two more players. I think we either will or we won't. You know, I don't. I don't. Knowing him, you know, he's shown himself perfectly capable of signing three players in January transfer window, such as DRB, Adebayo, and Walker, who all came on the same day. And he's perfectly capable of signing none. So, you know, I think it's a good thing. And it'd be if we do sign him, bloody hell! Seeing, seeing, you know, when they do the photo call and you actually recognise the person who's a wearing your shirt and you've seen pictures of him in another shirt it's like I mean Tottenham and Liverpool have this like every time but when was the last time we could say that interesting Uh, uh, Gilberto Silva should we take uh, at face value what the club have been saying about how uh, there's money to spend but maybe not as much as we thought Um, are they trying to play down what spending power they have to try and make the best of what is going to be I suppose a very deflated market Uh, I hope so uh, I can't say I know with any assurance at all, but I, I'd like to think that's what's going on. Uh, <clears throat> it's not a great policy to go into a transfer window making it clear you've got a ton of money to spend. Uh, one, you'd only look at Man City, who are paying, uh, looking to pay over the odds for all kinds of seemingly quite average players. Um, it makes sense to you know say there's not that much available. Uh, but you know I don't think there is uh, a vast amount of money available, and it wouldn't surprise me if we have to move one or two out, maybe, if we want to bring in uh, you know, the two or three players that people are talking about. One of the players, I suppose, that was linked uh, with a move away from the club, very heavily, of course, is Colo Toure, because we know he put in a transfer request. We know he cited the complete breakdown of his relationship with William Gallas as the reason for his uh, uh, wanting a transfer. Now, there might be those that would speculate that uh, maybe his head has been turned by Manchester City by the money that's been on offer, or maybe he's upset with Arsene Wenger. He doesn't feel as um, wanted or loved, I suppose. He's seen Gallas get away with things that maybe he didn't get away with. Uh, But with Gallas now out for three weeks with a hamstring injury, um, it it seems unlikely that Colo's going to move on. Uh, if we can't move Gallas on, then it seems on more difficult for us to buy a central defender. Uh, I don't think we will, unless uh, Torre were to leave, and, and I don't think that looks likely now. I'd be very surprised if we bought a centre-back. I'm not saying that we shouldn't, but I think the emergence of Jan Juru 
uh, if you had to say to me, you know, Arsenal's going to either stick with a, a young, promising player who he's brought through, who came to the club at 15 years of age, or he's going to go out and spend 10, 15 million pounds on a top-class international centre-back of 27 or 28, I think I know which he will do. Uh, and it looks like, to me, that for the rest of the season at least, it's going to be Juru and one of Galas or Toro. Good and we forget, those, we forget the immortal saying that Wenger has for every situation such, like, such as this. He always tells us, and of course, Alex Song can play there too. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. What, what did you make of Kolo's transfer request, good player? Uh, surprising. Don't really know the, the ins and outs of it, to be honest. Um, you know, I think you can argue that Galas has had a kind of fairly kind run of it in, in some senses, and Kolo's borne a brunt of it. I think Kolo's been in pretty poor form. I think he could lose a pound or two but but really i mean you know this guy's 27 he's a he's a big powerful defender and he's not the kind of guy that we should be losing um and and i think it, and i think in a way you know it says volumes that in some ways that you know if it, if it is true that he's had this breakdown of relations with gallas i mean what what are else going down there on there when was the last time you heard of someone losing moving from united one player because they'd they'd had a breakdown of relations with another player. I mean, I've heard of them having a breakdown of relations with Fergie and being shipped out. But it, it's, it's pretty odd, frankly. Um, and I, I mean, I hope, I hope, I'd like to think that it was a smokescreen generated by agents. But, you know, it's, it's all odd. And frankly, frankly, Colletor is not the kind of player we should be letting go. It does seem, I mean, of all the players you could have thought or would have thought would, would do something like that, Colletor, I suppose... Uh, he's the last real link we have to the Invincibles. I know Cliche was around, but he really would have been the last person you thought to get involved in that kind of thing and, and to make a or for something like that to become as public as it did as well. Yeah, it strikes me. The one thing that strikes me is that, that obviously his brother is um, involved slightly because City have been linked with him very heavily. Uh, I I've got no idea how that all fits in, but but it just that that occurs to me. I'm, I'm frankly talking about something I don't really know much about. But it, well, no we do know as well that uh, Colo's agent is Jonathan Barnett, I believe, who we've we've had some uh, history with as a club, and who uh, you know has a bit of a, a reputation for these kinds of things. So it's not that much of a surprise to hear these kind of stories leaked uh, through the press from him. Uh, one thing that I do think is that I don't think Gallas and Torre, for various reasons. I would be very surprised to see them play together at centre-half for Arsenal again. Well, yeah, I mean, that touches on the point uh, that, that's cropped up on the blogs in, in the last couple, of, uh, last couple of days, is that uh, Wenger has said maybe they're a little bit too small to play together. It's taken them long enough, hasn't it, you know, to, to get his head around that, because pretty much everybody else has been saying it. Quite, who'd have thought it? I mean, you know, it's, it's, I, I, I plead guilty to being a, a slightly later convert than, for example, a... Uh, your, your good man uh, Gilberto Silva there but, but even I recognise that they were simply too small to play together for quite a while and you know for him to come out and say 20 games through a 38 game season is, well it kind of makes you draw breath slightly doesn't it really What about the uh, the rumours linking us to uh, Martin Larrison and uh, Jimmy Bullard of Fulham obviously not glamour signings but when you look at the state of the squad uh, both guys that would that would definitely add something yeah, I think they both would. I think Martin Larson's a fantastic centre-half. He's exactly the kind of defender uh, that we need. Uh, unfortunately, it was disappointing in some ways to see Martin O'Neill denying that Aston Villa have made any kind of bid for Matthew Upson. He was pretty vehement about that um, because you know if Upson was coming in, they would have a real surplus of centre-halves and selling an injury-prone, ageing defender like Larson might have made some sense. Uh, I think without that, uh, to sell him to one of their biggest rivals seems extremely unlikely. 
What about Bullard, though? I mean, his situation at Fulham is is very much up in the air. We know that he's um, uh, not in a contract dispute, I suppose, but he's looking for, for maybe more money than Fulham can provide. Uh, is there maybe something to be read into that? I think... Uh, I think I think maybe. I mean, I think to be honest that there are a few clubs um, that I've heard of that are interested in taking Bullard. Uh, not top four clubs, though, uh, kind of mid-table teams, which I think is is maybe more appropriate, maybe more his level. But what you can't doubt about him is the kind of work ethic and commitment that he puts in. I mean, he is comparable uh, in more than one way to Ray Parler. Um, but whether he's the kind of player, he, I don't think he would be anything more than a squad player. But then, sadly, you know, that is really what we lack at the moment. Mm. Um, silly season, of course. It is January. We've got a long way to go before the end of the month and the transfer window closes. But um, good player. Do you think we're going to top Ubuwe to Inter Milan as, um, as uh, the most incredulous rumour of the, of the month? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, you, you look at it and you just you think Jose Mourinho, Emmanuel Bui, there could be no worse pairing in the whole history of, of the world, possibly. <laughs> uh, you know, um, it... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. It's, it's extra- I, I do find the whole thing a bit extraordinary and- and, it's, and I do find Arsenal and the Bureau's approach to it, kind of explaining why they have in, in the programme and the website everything that happened. And it's, it's all basically because, well, he'd been injured for quite a while and he was playing out of position. And, you know, give us a break. Come on. I think we, we all know, we all know what, whatever we think of the booing, whether it was right or wrong. Um, and, I, and I certainly didn't take part in it and wouldn't, and wouldn't do. I think we, we all know there's something slightly more profound there. And when, when a Bureau talks about being a changed man, etc., and blah, 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 I hope... I hope that someone has actually put put an arm around him and said, "Look, this is why you got booed, and it's nothing to do with playing out of position, coming back from injury or anything like that." You, you just hope someone's actually told him. All right. Well, um, everybody lacks confidence a bit in the team uh, at this moment in time. But uh, it was a Manchester City game on the twenty second of November since we lost in the league, and we're on probably our best uh, unbeaten run in the league for a while. Of course, we got beaten in the uh, in the Carling Cup at the start of the month, but in terms of the first team, it is probably the longest we've gone without defeat for, for uh, the whole of the season. Um, what do you think of the Bolton game tomorrow, Gilberto Silver? Uh, it's a game we should win, uh, you'd think, on paper. I don't think Bolton, uh, under Gary makes it, although they've had a few decent results, are anything like as difficult to play against as as they were under Sam Allardyce. Uh, we won at the Reebok fairly 
convincingly we were playing well. I mean, Abue scored, Bentner scored, everyone was doing well. It was great. <laughs> but uh, we should win tomorrow, and that would hopefully start to give us a little bit of momentum. But we are slightly struggling to create, which is a bit of a problem. Uh, good player? Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I don't think we go through Nazri enough, who is, is one of our best players. Um, we kind of he gets very isolated out on the left in the first half, which is of these of these home games, which is a bit absurd really. And then he tends to come inside in the second half, and, and in the last two against Portsmouth and Plymouth, he's had far more effect from there. So we are we are struggling to kind of do get early goals and also to get second goals, and then God God forbid third goals. Um, you know, I think if you if you look back to the end of the Plymouth game, the last eight minutes or so, it was like blimey, you know, we're two two goals up with with five minutes to go or eight minutes to go, uh, and we can actually play some football now. It was, it was actually very pleasant for, for, for eight minutes or so. Um, and I think that's where we have been struggling to break teams down. Uh, and I think it, if we could take our chance, well, it's not, we've actually been quite good at taking our chances. We just haven't been creating, creating them so much. You know, if, if Fran Percy and Nasri can, can put a bit of stuff together, it will take a bit of pressure off the defence, which is, which is always nice, but we have to win. We've got to really have to kick on now. We're not going to win the league, but we need to keep. The closer we can keep to the top of the league, the better it will be in terms of getting that fourth place. All right, OK. Well, hopefully we get more than eight comfortable minutes tomorrow against Bolton. Good player, Angelberto Silver. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. And don't forget to check out their respective blogs, www.gunnerblog.com and www.goodplayer.com. We'll have more from both those guys on Arscasts in the future. Now, before we go on, our player history, the man in the bar. Hello and welcome to another player history right here on the Arscast. I hope you find you well in 2009 and that your Christmas and New Year was just great. Oh, it was better than mine. I was dreadfully, dreadfully ill, you know. I went to the doctor, looking for me flu shot, being of a certain age. A man like me needs that. The doctor said, no, I'm sorry, I've got none left. Try that doctor down the road. So I went to him, and he had none, and so on and so forth, until I found the only place where the flu shot left was the vet. So I took myself off to the vet, and he duly administered the shot to me, which kept me free from flu. Sadly, while in the waiting room, I contracted distemper. Oh, that's not something you ever want to experience, let me tell you. Scratching and barking and fever, a viral infection. Oh, the only good thing was, for the duration of the illness, I was able to lick my own balls. It's a very pleasant change from paying somebody to do it for you, let me tell you. Anyway, we best get on with the player history. And this week, it's a legend, a true Arsenal great. His name... Patrick Vieira, that's right. He joined Arsenal in 1996. You all know the story. Arsene Wenger had been lined up as the manager and he said to the board, go over there to AC Milan. There's a big lanky black fella called Vieira. Won't be able to miss him. He's the one sitting on the bench all the time. Get him. So they did. And over he came. Oh, the start of the French Revolution at Arsenal for sure. And he very quickly became an integral part of the team. A powerful, strong, forward-striding, backward-tackling midfielder. Good in the ball, good in the air. But he had a bit of a temper on him, we have to say. In his younger years, he wasn't quite able to control it. That famous incident with Neil Ruddock, you might remember. Gilles Grimondi pulling him away as Vieira tried to spit on Neil Ruddock. Now, some people would say spitting, no matter who you do it to, 
That's wrong. But that's absolute bollocks, isn't it, when you think about it? If there was a fellow that killed your entire family, spitting on him wouldn't be half as bad as what he did. So how could you say that? Now, I'm not suggesting Neil Ruddock is a murderer of people's families or anything. All I'm saying is that Neil Ruddock is such a humongous cunt that we must overlook the foulness of spitting and take into account the great cuntishness of Neil Ruddock. So, quite frankly, I applaud Patrick Vieira for that. He went on to become captain of the club and lifted trophies. He was the captain of the Invincible side. But he did have a bit of a flirty eye about him. Always checking with Real Madrid to see if they'd like to sign him. And he was a bit cheeky sometimes. Arsenal signed a whole load of players one summer. Richard Wright, Francis Jeffers, Giovanni Van Bronckhorst and Sal Campbell. And Patrick Vieira said, well, they're all a bit shite, really, aren't they? Um, and he was kind of right, apart from Sol Campbell. <laughs> uh, so there you go. Anyway, the emergence of Cesc Fabregas saw Patrick Vieira's usefulness at Arsenal come towards an end. Perhaps it was the fact that one of his legs is entirely made of titanium, a secret that Arsenal kept from Juventus as they paid 15 million for him. Nowadays, Patrick Vieira is being managed by Jose Mourinho, and I'm told by impeccable sources that he's thinking of giving up football altogether. Either that, or he's going to get a load of cobra spit in his mouth and gob it right down Mourinho's neck. It's true. We'll have another player history from the man in the bar on next week's Arsecast. Now, what else has been going on? Well, Jack Wilshire, young Jack, he signed a professional contract with the club which is fantastic. He just turned 17 and now he's earning £10,000 a week. <laughs> oh, It's not that I'm, I'm intensely jealous or green with envy or anything. I mean, you know, he's got all that talent. I shouldn't begrudge him, but, you know, 17 years of age. It's just hard in these times of recession and doom and gloom and financial woes. But anyway, I hope to see Jack in our uh, team in red and white for many, many years to come. And I think possibly he'll get a bit more time between now and the end of the season. Most likely because we don't have any players. And uh, unless we buy some in January, well, he's, we won't have any choice but to play young Jack. Jay Simpson has gone on loan to West Brom uh, after signing a new extended deal with the club. Um, I wouldn't be quite as... Uh, optimistic for his long-term future at the club. I think uh, we signed him on a long-term deal. He's going to go to West Brom. If he does well, we might decide to keep him a bit, or it gives us a good position with which to make some money on him, you know, sell him, because he's got some contract years left. But either way, it's a good opportunity for him uh, to do some business in the Premier League. Uh, he did well at Millwall last season, so let's see how he does uh, with West Brom, who are um, obviously uh, struggling a little bit. It would be good if Jay Simpson were to come off the bench or start, indeed, uh, tomorrow for West Brom, because I think they're playing Aston Villa. And we could do with Aston Villa losing. So we could. And who better to score the winning goal for West Brom than Jay Simpson? That would be good. Yeah. So go, Jay. Uh, Gavin Hoyt has gone to Watford on loan as well. Now, in the last Irish cast, I gave you a chance to win a Savile Rogue scarf, the finest cashmere football scarf you can find anywhere on the planet. It's red, it's white, it keeps your neck warm, the whole lot of your neck, not just the back, the front, and the sides too. 
which is what makes it revolutionary. They are fantastic. And uh, big thanks to our friends at Savile Rug for providing the prizes over this cold winter period. Uh, the question I asked you was, from what team did we sign a Maori Bischoff P.I.? The answer was Werder Bremen. Even though he, I think he played about three seconds of football for them in the first team. Uh, nevertheless, the random number generator has done its thing. And the winner is Simon Tate. So well done to you, Simon, if that is your real name. Uh, I'll be in touch to get details and we'll get the scarf sent out to you as soon as possible. Speaking of the Bish, I was having a quiet day in the office. Not necessarily a bad day, just a quiet day. I like those sometimes. It gives me time to reflect and work on my great unfinished novel. Of course, it's my great unstarted novel as well, but you're in no position to give me grief about that. The door went, and in he came. You, he said. You cock-sucking, motherfucking, cow-fisting, arse-smulching, piss-lolly-eating, abba-loving, snot-tasting, vomiting-juicing, dick-feature, prick-handling, ball-goblin, fanny-punching, puppy-raping, drug-abusing, booze-hound, cunt-ball from the deepest, darkest, fetid depths of Satan's blood and shit-impacted colon. Oh... Hi, Dad, I said. What do you want? Oh, nothing, he said. I was just lonely. Thought I'd pop in and say hello. Well, you said a lot more than hello, I said. Yeah, he said. That's always been my problem. More from uh, a Mary Bishop P.I. on the Arscast in the future. Now, um, Bolton. We've got Bolton tomorrow. And as we all know, we hate Bolton. We always have done particularly when they had Sam Allardyce uh, as their manager. Now we can hate Blackburn more than we already hated them. And even though uh, maybe the hatred of Bolton is lessened due to the absence of Allardyce, for me, I find it still quite easy because Gary Megson reminds me of my old history teacher, who when we were in fourth year seemed to take a dislike to me for some reason. I think it might have been because I sat at the back of the class drawing football matches uh, on my uh, on my copy books. So you sit there and you draw the little players, little stick figure players, and you draw the stand and everything. And then because it was just so dreadfully boring, I would draw in the crowd. So literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of little circles in the crowd. So I'd be sitting there going... <laughs> so he'd read something out of the history book and he'd say, Now, who can tell me... Why was it uh, that Hitler ordered the Rhineland to be re reoccupied in 1936 and why it was so important? Hmm, let me see, who will I ask? Uh, nobody's looking at him, of course, and he go, Mr. Arsblog. Of course, that wasn't my name, but, you know. And so I'd, you know, make something up and blah, blah, blah. And then he'd go off again, he'd read something, and then he might say, So, um... Who attended the Munich conference, and what decision was made? Now, who shall I ask? And he'd make a point of looking around the room as if he was going to ask anybody else, and he'd go, Mr. Arsblog. And it eventually just became this running joke that as soon as he started asking a question, people would start hitting me and laughing and stuff because they knew he was going to ask me. Nevertheless, I failed to pay as much attention as I should have. Perhaps that was his way of trying to motivate me. Instead, it made me just think he was a bit of a cunt, really. And so Gary Megson reminds me of that particular history teacher. So he's also a cunt, and that way I hate Bolton. 
So there you go. Uh, so I'm hoping we turn them over tomorrow. Uh, Central Defence, we've got no Sylvester because he pulled out of the game uh, last weekend. He, he's a thigh strain, so he's out for three weeks. And then today we get news... Uh, of William Gallas, he's going to be out for three weeks with a hamstring strain. And all of a sudden, Colo Toure is fit again, which is handy, isn't it? Because imagine if he wasn't, because then you'd be looking at Alex Song in central defence, and then who do we have for midfield? So I think it's interesting that Gallas is injured now for basically the duration of the transfer window. Now, whether or not this means he's not risking Gallas because he's going to sell him, or if it makes it very easy for Arsene Wenger to say to Colo Toure, well, no, I'm not going to sell you because Gallas is out for three weeks and I'm hardly going to sell you now. We need you. But is it coincidence that Colo was fit after Gallas is injured? Anyway, we'll see. Uh, that's the situation. Uh, we should have Denilson back in the team. Hopefully, Robin Van Persie can continue his uh, hot streak. I'd expect Adibayor to start up top with him. Three points, obviously. Obviously, the order of the day. And we have to hope that Jay Simpson uh, can do the business for West Brom, too. Uh, so that's it. Uh, we've got league football again. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, fingers crossed for tomorrow. Uh, that's about it for the Arscast as well. Uh, we'll talk to you next week, of course, on the Arscast and all next week on the blog. So until then, take it very easy indeed. Goodbye. Oh, hello, hello. Uh, welcome um, to my home. Uh, I am um, Eboe. Uh, I like transfer rumours, I have to say. Um, I could give you my top three, if you'd like. Yeah, OK. Uh, first one, it's uh, Eboe to Inter Milan, which is <laughs> spiffing, really. Uh, second uh, Eboe transfer rumour is, of course, uh, Inter Milan are after Eboe, which is, uh, you know, it's almost directly the same. Uh, except different. And of course, uh, the third Ibue uh, top transfer rumour of all time, and this one is really my favourite, it's uh, Internazionale, as we might call them, uh, after uh, Ibue. They want to sign him, which is me, which is really rather splendid. So there you go. So if you wouldn't mind, uh, I think you should probably go now, because uh, I've really got a lot of stuff to do uh, for the afternoon. Anyway, thanks for dropping by. <laughs> See you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.